Welcome to the Die Hard Minute, where Movies by Minute hosts talk about the 1988 John McTiernan-directed movie Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rick from the Mad Max Minute Podcast. And I'm Julia, also from the Mad Max Minute Podcast. And on this Wednesday, we are talking about Minute 103 which begins with the FBI arguing with the city engineer about cutting power to the grid, and it ends with Deputy Police Chief Robinson wondering if he should call the mayor about this. We start off today's minute with the end of Hans Gruber's line to Theo yesterday, where he says in the most Alan Rickman way possible, the FBI. From the image of the FBI and the city engineers out by the van on the security camera, we cut outside to join Agent Johnson talking to the city engineer and making a lot of demands because he has asked for power to the building to be cut and power to the building has not yet been cut. So he's being very aggressive with them. The dialogue goes, Agent Johnson saying, I said I want the friggin' building shut down. Walt, half stuck out of a manhole cover, says, I got a problem, I got a switch here. And Agent Johnson does not give two craps about that switch. He wants that building out. Dark, D-A-R-K, like it's a Sesame Street spelling special. (laughs) This scene between... Walt and Agent Johnson drives me absolutely up the wall. Johnson is just being so aggressive and yelling at Walt, who wants to help him. Walt has a solution. It's just not the one that Johnson wants to hear. Mm -hmm. So if the solution isn't as simple as whatever Johnson wants, then Johnson doesn't want to hear it. Right. Of the two city officials, the unnamed city engineer and Walt, who's down in the manhole cover, Walt wants to cooperate because Walt's probably a salary man. He shows up every day, does the work for the city, gets to go home. In this instance, he's been called away from home on Christmas Eve to deal with this malarkey. And he's just a guy. He's just a grunt there to do his job. If he needs to cooperate with the FBI, that's exactly what he's going to do. And then you've got the city engineer in the white hard hat, and he's being very obstructive to Johnson, which is just frustrating the hell out of Agent Johnson. Yeah. Although you mentioned that Walt just wants to do his job and go home. But do you think that once that power goes out, Walt gets to go home? Oh, no. No. Absolutely not. Walt is there till the bitter end. Well, he is stuck there as long as the cops and the FBI are. The sooner they cut power, the sooner the FBI can put their plan in the thing, the sooner they can turn the power back on. There's a process that needs to happen, and Walt wants to get that done as soon as possible. I'm not saying that Walt's going to be able to do this one thing and then go home, but if he does this one thing now instead of dragging it out, it means he'll be able to go home sooner. The city engineer, as the manager, as the official in charge of that situation on the city side, he doesn't want them to just rush through this because it's kind of a inconvenient for everybody plan. It definitely is. And the FBI guys, can we cut back real quick? We kind of skipped over something important. These agents, first of all, they're Johnson and Johnson. Mm -hmm. They are both named Johnson. The family company. Yes. As a consequence of that, they both have nicknames, Big Johnson and Little Johnson. Mm -hmm. And Big Johnson is the one yelling. Yep. That's probably why he's called Big Johnson is because he's the one that yells all the time and puffs himself up, makes himself big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and got... as a consequence, the other guy's Little Johnson. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get that special agent badge and, you know, you get that sense of importance because Johnson that we see yelling a lot in the credits, he's referred to as special agent Big Johnson. And then the other guy is just FBI agent Little Johnson. Yeah. 
He strikes me as the kind of guy that is always used to walking into a situation and getting his exact way, everybody kowtowing to him and instantly listening to him. You get the sense that he doesn't experience a lot of pushback. And so when the city engineer starts saying no, even though he's got a good point, Johnson is not going to let him explain himself. And explaining is definitely what we need for this scene. Because Walt has a problem in the manhole cover. Johnson doesn't want to hear it. The city engineer is trying to explain something to the FBI, and the FBI don't want to hear it. City engineer kept saying, hold on, you don't understand, you can't do it from here. And what he's trying to say is that there's no magic button in that manhole cover that's going to let them cut power to the building. That's not how electrical grids work. A building this size with that much in it doesn't have a single breaker that you can go down into a manhole cover and just flip the switch. Right. Shouldn't? The FBI guys know that? Shouldn't they know how to cut power to a building in a city? I mean, if they're supposed to be doing it all the time. Right. Shouldn't they have also sent a guy to the power grid office to cooperate with the people there? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we're setting up that these guys are playing right into Gruber's hands and they're kind of idiots about it. And they're doing everything they're so specifically supposed to do that there's no room for anything else. So I know that's... They're being portrayed as idiots. Mm -hmm. But seriously, guys, you're a special agent. You're supposed to be the best of the best. Why didn't you send a guy to the power grid office? Or even just call the power grid office directly. They've pulled a city engineer and a city engineer technician out to the site when all they needed was the phone number for the power control company, central, whatever that's called. Like, they're inconveniencing a lot of people, and that's even before they get to the point where power is cut. They're doing it in such a way to just draw so much attention to themselves. They're coming in, and they're making a big stink and a big huff, and it's just so over the top. It's like this movie was written from the cop's point of view, which actually, the movie is about a cop. Mm-hmm. It's about John McClane. So, of course, it's written from the cop's point of view. And stereotypically, in movies spe- specifically, cops and FBI don't get along because they both want jurisdiction and they can't both have it. Mm-hmm. So this is written from the cop's point of view to put forth everything that's bad about the FBI, that they're brash and pushy and they come in and they take everything over and they mess it up they just left it in the cops' hands, things would have happened differently. Would have been better. So it's definitely, this is from the cops' point of view. Mm-hmm. So like I said, Walt's in the hole, city engineer is out of the hole, and the city engineer says, it can't be done from here. And Walt says, well, yeah, you could. And the city engineer reiterates, no, you can't do it in from here. And Walt says, no, I, I, I got the radio. And the city engineer finally gets to his point and says, power needs to be cut from central. Like we mentioned in our conversation here, Walt, wanting to be cooperative, points out that he can call Central with his radio. They're essentially saying the same thing, but they're talking over each other. Right, which, Walt, seriously, shut up. Yeah. let Your, the... your boss is talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I work in a position where I have the ability to make certain decisions about money and other people's money, but there's a certain threshold where... I'm like, I don't feel comfortable making this decision anymore. I'm going to defer to my boss. 
I don't care what my boss tells me to do. Mm -hmm. I will do it because I have her backing. And I feel like that's the position Walt should be in. That he can do things that he knows how to do. But there comes a point like shutting off an entire grid where he should be like, hey, city engineer, you're my boss. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to. And I'm going to sit here and shut up. Yeah, he should definitely defer to the city engineer because you have an outside organization like the FBI coming to work with the city electrical company or whatever we're dealing with. The movie doesn't specify. There's not a ton of specifics. We're not dealing with a movie with a ton of wiki details. But Walt absolutely needs to defer to his boss and let the boss deal with the outside people. It's not Walt's job to be a liaison to the FBI. No. No matter how many radios he's got and how many clever ideas he has. Just quiet down, dude. We're totally in the same boat on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the first time we see the city engineer and Walt in this movie, wouldn't you say? Sure. The city engineer is played by a guy named Bill Marcus. I looked him up on IMDb, and he's got some interesting credits to his name. In the top section of his page, where it lists the things that he's best known for, the first one is, of course, Die Hard, because it's huge movie 1988 playing the city engineer the other three movies in that list though he in 1988 was in the movie scrooged with bill murray another christmasy type movie he played the ibc guard he was also a recurring character in beauty and the beast the 1987 to 1989 television series i remember that Mm -hmm. i remember watching it on tv where sarah connor (laughs) dated um the guy who would become Hellboy. Yeah. And lastly, he was in 1984's Remington Steel, where he played a guy named Jimmy Casson. Not Jimmy Carson with a Boston accent. Jimmy Casson. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of those guys that have been in everything. You've seen him all over the place, but you probably couldn't say something specific. Mm-hmm. Little bit parts here and there. Yeah. His mini bio is disappointingly short. It just lists him as an actor and then basically reiterates his known for, which always bums me out a little bit when people don't take the time to write full bios. Walt, the city worker, is played by Rick Ducommon. He is best known for his role in Groundhog Day from 1993, where he played Gus. Also, his 1989 portrayal of Art Weingartner in The Burbs his 1987 role as a prison guard in Spaceballs, and finally, in 2000, he played Cindy's dad in the movie Scary Movie. You know, I was wondering about his accent Mm -hmm. in here, because it's very not West Coast-ish. Right. It's very East Coast. And now that you tell me he was in Groundhog Day, I know exactly who he was. I can, like, hear him in my head. I don't know if it's an accurate Pennsylvanian accent, but... To my ears, he sounds like he belongs in Pennsylvania. It's a very East Coast accent. Mm. I would peg him for like New York, maybe Chicago, but I'm not great with accents. So I'm sure there's people out there who hear that and go, I know exactly where he's from. Yeah. I'm sure when Groundhog Day Minute fires up and we get to meet Gus, that they'll probably take a nice close look at his accent and evaluate his work there. The Burbs Minute has already happened, and I believe it's wrapped up. So I'm sure they had plenty to say about Art, the neighbor character. The nice thing about Rick Ducommon's IMDb page is that an IMDb user called Vidman wrote an extensive bio on Rick DeCommon. And it turns out that he had a pretty cool career trajectory. He started off in Canada, ran away from home, traveled around a bunch, got back, 
ran into Alan Thicke and was put on TV. And when Thicke went to L.A. to do his late night talk show, he brought Ducommon with him. And once he was in L.A. and working on that, he started performing in clubs and acting in sitcoms. And then he just got into the movies. Nice. So he's Canadian. Mm -hmm. So that's the accent. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound, even knowing that, it still doesn't sound overwhelmingly Canadian to me. Mm -hmm. Still more overwhelmingly Eastern. And it doesn't say what part of Canada he's from. And that makes, you know, just as much a difference in Canada as it does in the United States. Mm -hmm. So getting back to this discussion about cutting power to the grid. As the FBI and the city engineers are arguing back and forth, the engineer tells the FBI that you have to cut the power from downtown and they have to cut out the entire grid, probably in about a 10 square block radius, which is a huge amount of area, especially in a dense city like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where we live up in kind of the boonies and the size cities we see up here... <laughs> 10 square city blocks, that's the entire city. Mm. The whole thing's going down. Yeah. L.A. is obviously a lot bigger than where we live, and they're split up into smaller cities and boroughs and things like that. The area around the Nakatomi building is Century City, Los Angeles, and it probably is the grid that they're talking about. When they talk about cutting power to the grid, Deputy Police Chief Robinson, he's there, and he starts getting really nervous. He starts questioning the FBI about the decision. He calls to mind the fact that it's Christmas Eve and that there are thousands of people that are going to lose power and that the mayor is going to be livid if this goes through. So I looked up a little bit of stuff about Century City. Based on old census reports, there are approximately 6,000 people that live in that area. And it's about a 10 square block area. I'm not dealing with specifics of measurement here, but the median yearly income is about 95k. So this maneuver is going to make a lot of wealthy people very upset, which is exactly why the mayor is going to want to put someone on blast. Yeah. Why? Shouldn't the mayor have already been involved? Yeah. You'd think that Deputy Police Chief Robinson would have called the mayor instead of just thought about calling the mayor. Yeah. The mayor certainly doesn't need to be on site. That would be excessive. Mm -hmm. But the mayor should at least have been kept up to date on mm -hmm. what's happening. I think that before you call in the FBI, you let the mayor know what's going on. Right. If the feds are showing up to a situation, the mayor should know about that situation. And if this is a terrorist attack, which they think it is, shouldn't the mayor be under special protection? Wouldn't they protect the ruling people in a terrorist attack of the area? That makes sense. Like a special detail, keeping an eye on him. Not quite sure exactly. Right. Because, I mean, it's not just the president who gets protection. You know, mayors and governors and... And all those people, they have security details as well. I don't think it's the Secret Service, but they have security as well. So shouldn't the security for the mayor have been upped in the event of a terrorist attack in his city? It's possible. I'm willing to go with that, though. Yeah, that means the mayor knows that something is going on and why he should be in contact with the powers that be. He should be in contact with the police chief and then also FBI head of 
that region, they should all be in contact, keeping up to date on what's going on. Yeah. I'm willing to bet that the mayor has not been notified because Deputy Police Chief Robinson thought that he had everything under control. Which, if he thought it was a terrorist incident, enough to call in the FBI... Why did he think that he still had a handle on this? And why is he only now second-guessing himself? I mean, the guy can't even keep a library full of children under wraps. What made him think that he could handle an entire terrorist <laughs> situation? And why is it a deputy? Why isn't it the police chief of the city? Yeah. Why isn't the police chief out of his home and dealing with this? Yeah. I mean, it's a terrorist attack for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, this isn't small potatoes. This is a big deal. Mm -hmm. The only person who actually seems concerned with the chain of command is the city engineer. Because Johnson wants that power out. And the city engineer says, well, I need authorization for that. And, of course, Agent Johnson gets right up in his face, poking him in the chest. And he's mm. got a lit cigarette in his finger. And he says, authorization? How about the United States government? Yeah, that drives me nuts on many levels. We'll start with the poking. Mm-hmm. So incredibly inappropriate in our current social environment where we have a sexual harassment crisis currently developing, becoming public. It has been developing for years. It's yeah. becoming public. The takeaway from that is don't touch anybody. There's other kinds of harassment besides sexual. And this is what he's doing. By poking this man in the chest, it is inappropriate to behave that way towards somebody else in the workplace. It's bad touch. It's unprofessional. Absolutely. He's throwing his weight around like he's in a high school cafeteria, that type of thing. Like he's talking to the nerds about how they aren't running the scoreboard at the football games correctly. He's getting right up in his face and he's poking me. He's doing all of these intimidation tactics to try and get his way. And it's like, dial it back. I know this is a high stress situation and he wants to be top dog and right. tall man on the totem pole. But at the same time, he's only making it more stressful. Yeah, He's not doing anything productive about it. He's just no. being awful. Yeah. And then so my second issue with this moment is that the city engineer says he needs authorization. Now, to bring up my job, again, I work in the medical field, in billing. You have to have authorization for stuff from the insurance company. If you don't have that authorization, nothing is going to happen, and we are not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. If we don't get that authorization, we're not doing it. We don't care. We have to have authorization because we deserve to get paid. Yeah. So we do nothing without authorization. So I am completely on the city engineer's side here. Do nothing without the proper authorization. Mm -hmm. You know what's really frustrating is that because Agent Johnson is getting nowhere with the city engineer, he bypasses him completely and talks straight to Walt saying, lose the grid or lose your job. And he's putting Walt in the middle of these two things where Walt can either be loyal to his job or he can be loyal to the United States government. Right. And that is absolutely not his responsibility. Right. His job is to do what his boss tells him to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't, there, there may be rungs of that particular ladder that are not present, but the city engineer is the next rung that is present. Yeah. So if the city engineer says no, then Walt shouldn't do it. And he doesn't need to be afraid for his job because he's not going to get fired because the FBI didn't like what he did. Mm -hmm. The FBI doesn't have that kind of power. The U.S. government doesn't have that kind of power. He's not going to lose his job. But Walt pulls the radio out of 
the manhole where he was keeping it down there or something like that. And he gets on the radio and he calls into Central and he says uh, that it's Walt down at Nakatomi. Say, listen, would it be possible to turn off grid 212? And over the radio comes a voice that says, are you crazy? And we get another instance of Deputy Chief Robinson saying, maybe I should call the mayor. (laughs) It's such an afterthought. Yeah. The way he says it, it was like, hmm, that might be a good idea. Yeah. Which is entirely foolish. I really appreciate the guy sitting at Central in charge of all of these grids because he's sitting back at Central, minding his own business, keeping his eye on the grids, making sure they stay up on Christmas Eve of all nights. Mm -hmm. People probably have family coming in from out of town. They got their Christmas lights up. They're probably watching a Christmas special on television, tucking their kids in, all that. And he says, oh, you know, everything's up, everything's working, everything's great. And then he gets this call from Walt, shut down power to Century City. That's so unfathomable to think of. I'm going to hold on to my opinions on that until tomorrow, Mm -hmm. because we have more of this conversation to talk about. We get cut off in the middle of it. Yep. The last thing we hear is Walt sitting in the manhole cover, and he uses some harsh language that is a little too coarse for us to use and still avoid the iTunes explicit tag. So let it suffice it to say that he says, no crap, it's my butt in response to the sentiment that is coming from Central. And so, like you said, we are going to pick up with this conversation that Walt is having with Central tomorrow. We're going to see exactly what happens as a result of it. And we'll see how the terrorists react. One comment that I just want to throw out there before we wrap it up. This episode of us recording felt very discombobulated for me, and I just figured out why. Because this minute is discombobulated. Because everybody is arguing and trying to pull their power one direction and another and trying to talk over each other. It just makes me feel very uncomfortable. And it's hard to tell in that moment. Just imagine being Walt, for example, trying to tell when everyone's yelling what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. It's just so intense right in that very moment in a very small space, too. They're all on top of each other. It makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're leaving that behind. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to start to spread out a little bit more, see Mm -hmm. people doing different things in different places. And I'm definitely grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. So come back tomorrow for that. If you would like to hear more of us, you can find the Mad Max Minute podcast on our homepage at madmaxminute.com. Follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute and join our Facebook group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. The Die Hard Minute podcast is a collaboration of Movies by Minute podcasters. Find out more about the Movies by Minute format at moviesbyminutes.com. Die Hard Minute is produced by Jim O'Kane. Our intro music is by John Stebby. Our closing theme is by Tom Geyer. You can follow Die Hard Minute on Twitter at Die Hard Minute, on Facebook at Die Hard with a Podcast Listener's Limo, and at dieHardMinute.com. Subscribe to this podcast by searching Die Hard Minute on iTunes and Google Play. And until next time... I want the building out! Doc! I don't understand! You can't do it from here! Tell me you got that! I got it, I got it! Hit your heart on Channel 5.